So many advisors join the industry and don't give the how much thought. With a low barrier to entry, we see new advisors entering the industry by signing up and taking on the immediate title of travel advisor. If you've been in the industry for a while, chances are that you've either switched hosting agencies or you've considered it. The how you do your business matters. Your host agency can be a defining aspect of your business. While ultimately it relies on the travel advisor to create their own success, a host agency that provides adequate support and resources can be a total game changer for your business and ultimately take your client experience from good to great. So how do you know if your host is the best for your business? We've brought in Teak team member Katie Fisher to share her experience through various hosting agencies. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teak. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, we grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency. And now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine. So pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Jennifer, before we go through the how that you mentioned, can you share a few key points on what defines a host agency? Absolutely. If you have worked under a host, obviously you would know what a host agency is. However, if you are new to the industry, a few things to consider about what defines a host agency is that a host is technically an umbrella organization that an independent agency can align with to create unified commissions, supplier relations, and marketing or tech tools. Now, not all hosts offer all of those things. So we're going to talk through the various models in a minute, but the majority of advisors will evaluate one, should they sign up under a hosting agency or two, if their hosting agency is the right fit for their business. Our focus for now is actually going to be the second. We're going to talk through what makes a host agency the best fit for you. With that being said, Katie, when we asked you to do this episode, you mentioned that you've worked with four hosts in total. Can you share a bit of background and give context before we dissect what you were looking for in each hosting relationship? Yes. And I will say switching hosts that many times, stressful. So I don't encourage it. I encourage you to find the right fit the first time. But I started in the travel industry after my husband and I went to French Polynesia. It was planned by an advisor, which led me to asking her more about this cool job she had. And then she put me in touch with her mentor slash her host. So her host was her mother-in-law, who had been in the travel industry for 25 years. And I approached her and they both kind of mentored me and then directed me toward a large, well-known host and said, go ahead, get your feet wet with them, do a year, come back to us when you've booked. I can't remember what they wanted me to book. It was something low, 25, 50,000. Once I had done that 12 months with that larger host, I then transitioned to being hosted under her. And it was a more unconventional hosting setup because it was just her. You know, she had an IATA I could use and she had connections. So I did that. But a few months into COVID, I realized I needed more of a team atmosphere and support. So I actually had met a fellow travel advisor on a FAM at the end of 2019 and actually then switched again. So that was my third hosting setup. And it was the same host that Jen has history with. That was great to help me grow during the pandemic and have a team atmosphere. 
But then I started booking different types of trips from what everyone else was booking. So it was it was great while I was there. And then I just needed something different. It wasn't bad. It just I needed something different. And so then I transitioned for the fourth time. And that time I realized I needed to put more thought and effort into selecting a host. That is where I realized changing hosts was a lot of work to like switch all of your logins and you have to do all this stuff. And so I wanted to make this one stick. I took the time and effort to interview a few host agencies and do my homework to ensure that I didn't have to switch again. I love that. I will be totally honest. I was like the background chick in Jen's travel business, kind of just chugging along, doing my thing. She's like, we're switching hosts. I'm like, don't know what that means, but here I go. A few options for travel agencies. First and foremost is no host at all. So just being a totally independent travel advisor, that's where you're you're obtaining your own IATA and consortia affiliation. You're kind of starting from ground zero, or you transition from a host to become independent. Of course, that is its own thing. You really want your own business. And then another option is hosting with your own branding. A lot of those bigger agencies will do this where you actually own your own brand, but you're under a host. So you're booking under a host's IATA, but you have your own outward facing brand identity. Next, we have hosting under the host brand. So you're kind of your own book of business and you're like Robin under Explore Tour Travel. So we're following the branding of the host, but you have your own book of business. You're responsible for your own leads traditionally, or there's a way that they're going to funnel leads to you, whatever. Every Again, this is where it gets so hairy because there's 5 trillion ways to run a travel business. Hosted under a host branding is another option. Fourth, employee under a brand. So this is, I would say more so brick and mortars, but not necessarily. I think some people are trying to start to switch to this where instead of being an independent contractor, because if you have ever you know listened to us talk about hiring or you were a part of our agency expansion academy program, you know that as a person who has ICs, you're unable to like dictate when they're working, what they're doing, their processes, that sort of thing. And the final model is the franchise model, which sounds a little bit similar to like a subway. Like each subway is independently franchised. So they own the business. They like basically buy a part of the brand, but you run it. So either you can be under that host IATA or without, but really you're leaning there on the brand's identity for credibility and buying into that. Katie, which model did you opt for and why? In each of the four hosting situations I was in, I opted to be hosted with my own branding. And that was because it was important to me to maintain my independence, but have the back office support and the connections that a host offered. I knew I didn't want to be an employee at a travel agency because I was also at the time working as a nurse. So I wanted the freedom to work when I could and pick the clientele I wanted to work with working the hours that worked for me and having overall flexibility in my business. At one point, I did consider being completely independent and pursuing my own IATA. And thankfully, Jen talked me out of that. Have you ever had an unhappy client and then immediately checked to make sure that your terms and conditions had you covered? If not, props to you, but that's not the case for everyone. If you're like us and you want to make sure that your client can't hold you financially accountable for any loss due to last minute cancellation, because of bad weather, a missed flight, a positive COVID test, or any other situation, we know they happen, then you'll be happy to know that the legal page has your back. The legal page is an online template shop run by a real lawyer, Paige Griffiths. 
She took the time to work with us and get to know the ins and outs of the travel business so that she could make an incredibly robust terms and conditions template. If you're ready to get legally legit, start with the legal page. Our link to the travel industry specific agreements can be found in the show notes. Like I didn't want to have a ton of people under me and it wouldn't have made financial sense for like one person to obtain an IATA. I think a lot of people have this dream to be their own independent agency without understanding. And I'll just piggyback off of what you just mentioned. This is something that I hear a lot when we're doing like consultation calls or we're just talking with other advisors. Oh, I have a dream to own my own agency with our own IATA. And my question is always why? Because I have no regrets necessarily in how things evolved with Explorator. But at the same time, like if I had known more, if I had done more research, if I'd been more connected in the industry at that time, I would have known the options that I had. And my intention for leaving was because I wanted to grow, right? And I wanted to be able to create what the model for my team looked like. That is all possible under a hosted model, but I didn't necessarily know what that would look like. It was just that it wasn't necessarily a financially sound model under the post I was under at that time. And it was a conversation I had. I I shared how I wanted to grow and it, it just didn't fit with the contract. And that's totally fine. I'm so grateful for that same host that Katie mentioned. Like There were so many great things that came from that. And I learned so much from that experience. But then I went independent and I just didn't really know the weight of that. And the reality of having your own IATA is that you need to be so sales driven that you matter (laughs) when your name comes up at a trade show. That's really a lot of pressure on one person to do. So unless you do have that dream of, like Katie mentioned, like having a very big team that can create that volume, then you're in this situation where you're kind of fighting for relevance. And then you're also trying to create a consortia affiliation. And a lot of those consortia affiliations have minimum sales requirements with their preferred partners. So then you have to follow those preferred partners in order to qualify. And it's it can just be a lot. So I, I only say that to kind of interject there that if you're thinking, I want to be my own agency with my own IATA, that's fantastic if that's the reality of it. But just understand all that goes into what that means and how it could be a limiting factor when you have an issue with a big name supplier and you need to get commissions paid. And all of a sudden you feel like this small fish in a very big pond of the world. And so to me, having the name and someone that has relationships in the industry with all of that volume behind it is so important. And it is something I wish I'd considered at that time. I think there's so many things to consider with hosts that I never really thought of. But for anybody listening to this podcast and they're like, I'm confused on what I should be doing. Like I'm confused on which model works best for me. I would almost start with the same process we do for hiring. Like list out everything that you love to do that you would never want to offload to somebody. And if a lot of those are like the businessy tasks Maybe you being under a host with their own branding and their own workflow and their own resources is a best fit for you. But maybe you really like booking, but like owning a business and you have that entrepreneurial spirit, maybe that's more so for you. I just think there's nothing wrong with any route. And I sit here, like obviously Jen went kind of independent. I'm going to be a host and Katie stayed under host. And I always think back to myself and I'm like, I am very much an entrepreneur 
So I think I would have enjoyed being under a host, but with my own branding. Like, I think it's important for me because I liked my own identity. I wanted to create my own brand, obviously, because I like branding. I don't know. I just kind of go out to say, like, I always thought you were super successful when you became a host and you had a huge team. And now that we like kind of explored or did it, I'm like, never would I ever want to do that. That sounds <laughs> fun to manage so many people and be in charge of all these relationships and partners. So if anybody needs to step out or permission to not do that thing where we as entrepreneurs, like, well, I need to grow and I need to create this massive empire or else I'm not even successful. Wrong. That's so wrong. Like permission slip to make a business that works for your lifestyle, whether that's, you know, working four days a week or three days a week and small team by myself or a small support team, you have that ability and you have that autonomy. And I think that's one of the amazing things about this industry is that while it's one industry, there's 12 trillion different ways it could go for you and your success is going to look different than the person sitting next to you. Well, I think that was my big issue that I had this mindset that if I was a travel advisor and didn't have my own IATA or my own CLIA or whatever, you know, one of these 6,000 different letter combos after my business, like that I wasn't successful because I was hosted under somebody, but Robin hit the nail on the head because I love running a business on a small scale. I want nothing to do with being in charge of anybody else. Looking, someone looking to me for guidance. No, thank you. (laughs) And that's like, I loved having my own brand because I didn't like the branding of any of the hosts I was with personally. It wasn't my, my vibe. That's why it was like the perfect fit for me. I got to do my own thing and be left alone to do it. But I had no one asking me for help. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't have to like worry about paying somebody and all of that. So that it was a good fit for me. And I also just had to get over my own ego of like, Oh, this means I'm not successful. But like, yes, you can be there are a lot of actually, Jen, I think when we were talking about this over Instagram that morning, when you were like, don't do it. um, (laughs) Because it doesn't make sense for, for me. But you said something along the lines of you'd be shocked at how many of the big names in the travel world are hosted, they don't have their own IATA. And I was like, Oh, you're right. Because I started digging into it. And some of the, the people that I really aspired to be like and that I follow on social, I was like, oh, they're hosted. So yeah. I had to let go of that. That resonates with me, the ego piece, because I, I genuinely accidentally became a host. Like I knew that I wanted a team, but I accidentally became a host because I just thought that was the only option. And it opens a lot of questions when you grow your team, especially when you're independent. And what I wish I had had for resources was a group of other owners. And I do think that you can be called an owner. I'll elaborate on this. I do think you can be called an owner of an agency, even if you are hosted. But I wish I had had other like-minded advisors in a community that I could have bounced ideas off of. And I lost that when I went independent and I had to create that by going to trade shows and meeting other advisors. I think of certain hosts and I'm like, dang, that group of advisors who own their own brand. So they're an agency owner in my mind. They are so powerful. They have a lot of things in common. And that would have been a great host to be under because we could have leaned on each other. I am going to talk through a few of the things that I considered when creating the contract for Explorator because they're things that I wished that I had looked for. But the first is what branding would be used. And so I did want to create a brand with multiple people under it because I believe in the power of numbers, but I also believe in the power of quality. So if you're thinking, yeah, I want my brand to be known 
on a larger scale. It definitely can be. We've talked about this through Agency Expansion Academy. You can definitely scale without necessarily growing in the way of adding ICs. But to me, my my specific vision, and this is just what I wanted, this is not good or bad or or anything else. What I wanted was multiple advisors under one brand because I love the thought of everyone kind of swimming in the same direction. When you go to a trade show or you go on a fam, there's that recognition and every advisor that I brought on, I wanted to have similar values. And this goes back to recruitment and, and what Robin and I talked about in a recent episode about sororities is like, maybe that's where it came from in my mind was like having this like-minded community internally. And that was just really a very cool concept to me. So when I made the contract, that was something that I considered. But if you are looking to be a host, you do also want to define that and what the expectation would be. Another important point was what happens when an advisor terminates? In this industry, there's so much turnover. Katie, you just explained kind of how you went through the evolution of your business. And I don't think that turnover is bad in this industry. It's just that your business has reached a certain potentially like a cap or a pivot that requires a change. And when we went independent, this is so funny. We actually had a true number, not an IATA. And the process of getting your own IATA is somewhat lengthy, whereas a true, you can just register and be like ready to rock that day. And it still is able to be registered with certain vendors. But when it comes to like direct hotel bookings, there's a limitation there. So we eventually got an IATA and shifted everything over that way. I didn't know any of this. And again, if I'd had a community, I probably would have had that conversation. I had to think through what does it look like if someone were to leave our team? Does that mean that I'm servicing the sale? Do they keep the client with them? Do they keep that booking? If I gave them that general lead, what does that look like? There are so many aspects of that in the transition out because we've all left a job, but this is a really interesting job in the way that you're servicing the client and you probably brought in that sale. So how does that work out commission-wise? And if you're not any longer in the organization, how is that payment process? So that's something that anyone who's looking to evaluate if they're in the right host, definitely look at that portion of your contract and know what you're getting into before you sign it. And if you've already signed it, look at that portion. And if it doesn't fit for you, talk that through with your host and see if there's a possibility of renegotiation. Sometimes that's just not a reality. And then I mentioned this a second ago, but how are leads coming in? I would say provided, but they're not always provided. I know that some hosts are still getting general leads and they do require even their independent agents that are under different branding than the hosting agency. They'll say you have to take a minimum of two general leads per year or something like that, just so that they can make sure that they have proper coverage. But a host, I want to say this like loud and clear, <laughs> a host should not be responsible for your leads. It is a real nice perk if you get good leads from your host. But ultimately, if you are an independent contractor, you are your own business. You are responsible for bringing in those leads, servicing those leads, and then creating a retention program of your own that allows you to keep those leads coming in because that is not the responsibility of the host. The host, maybe they have leads to give you. That's great, but that should absolutely not be a 
thing that you're looking for someone else to generate. If you're saying, I want to be an IC, you declaring that you want to be an independent contractor says, I am comfortable and confident that I can bring in business. So if that's not something you're looking for, then maybe you do want to be an employee where you get that cut and you know that those leads are going to come in and you're reliant on a salary and you get a cut of the commissions for the sales you service. That comfort level may vary from person to person. So I would definitely consider that. Then I mentioned this before. Can you bring on help? Can you bring on a VA? What does that look like? Do they have to be screened by the hosting agency? Because to me, and this is something that I didn't realize until slightly a little too late, if I'm being honest, if someone brings on a virtual assistant or an admin of any kind, and they are under your brand as Explorator was, that person immediately is reflective of a brand. However, as a host, I wasn't involved in any part of the screening process because I had ICs. So then now we have this person that's impacting how bookings are happening, client experience. They haven't been trained by me. They've been trained by the IC, which then it's a game of telephone, right? Like everything gets watered down as it's handed off to someone else. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, if there is a massive error, is this person covered under errors and omissions insurance? Like, have I accounted for them in the policy? And then how do I handle a client escalation? Am I monetarily accountable for this? No, but my brand is going to suffer if I don't work to fix the problem. So these are things to think through too, is like, is that IC going to also recruit an IC under your brand? Can they do that? Can they hire a VA without, you know, you vetting them first? All of these things are really important to know if you are a host or being hosted. The major component that people are looking for in a contract is the commission split. And I'll tell you right now, I think this is one of the, it is important. I'm not going to minimize money, but it's one of the least important, I think, because all these other things that we're talking about here funnel into money that you take home and client experience is always going to impact your money and what happens after you terminate or go to another host impacts the money. So yes, the commission split is important. I had a very interesting way of doing this. And I know there are some other hosts that are also doing it this way, but we essentially had a certain commission split by tiers. So once you've generated a certain amount of commissions, you would climb. It wasn't sales-based because Sales, as you guys, as you guys have heard from us, sales doesn't mean anything. It's the money that walks through the door. So in 2020, I actually had a sales tiered contract and that bit me so hard because all these people climbed to a very high split for them. And then all these sales were canceled and I'm stuck at that split, even though I've never had that money come through the door. So I've never been compensated for the training and mentorship that I provided when I was servicing clients and also helping these new advisors navigate COVID. To me, I think it's really important that when you're looking at a split as a host, that you consider the actual revenue generated when you're creating your tiers. And if you're being hosted, honestly, maybe it's more appealing to look at the sales number. I don't know. I guess it's, it's, it's contingent on your, your viewpoint at that time. It's important to look at that. And if there's a monthly fee structure where maybe you can take home 100% of your commissions, I know a lot of hosts are moving to that where you've hit a certain point of sales or you've hit a certain point of revenue and you can actually opt to pay monthly almost like rent. You're paying rent at that point and everything that comes in the door is yours. So there's possibilities there. And then confidentiality. 
to me, this is so huge. Like if you're a host and you're creating a contract for someone to be under, like you should absolutely be covering yourself confidentiality wise. And I don't necessarily mean client information. While that is really important, what I'm talking about are your resources and the operations of how you do your business. Because if someone leaves you and they can easily take your processes and duplicate them, you are not protecting yourself from competition in the industry and you've lost your differentiating qualities. So that's something that was really important to me is I I had a really defined client experience workflow and I didn't want advisors to be able to leave and take that workflow with them because it was a retention strategy. I'll be honest. Having a great library of resources as a host is a fantastic retention strategy, especially I loved bringing in new advisors, explorator. I don't know the future of how they're going to recruit, but as far as like how I was doing it, I was bringing in only new advisors. So I would train them or mentor them because you can't say train if you have an IC. I would mentor them in the way that I believed that business was best done for me, then I wanted to make sure that everything about that stayed within the business so that if an advisor wanted to leave, they were going to have to make a really hard decision of, okay, but I'm going to have to give up this client experience workflow and all these resources and this mentorship and the supplier relationships. Like It wasn't just about an IATA number or brand recognition. It was about so much more. That is a lot of information. And it's easy to think that host agencies are just looking to make a lot of money. And I'm here to say that I've also been guilty of potentially like villainizing a host agency for what they charge or how they charge. But host agencies are businesses just like ours. They are allowed to make a profit. That's their entire model. And they are exchanging a product, which is connections, resources, IATA, mentorship, back office systems, support, an established brand, they're exchanging all of that for a portion of the agent's earnings. That's the definition of business. So I challenge anyone listening to this, if you're thinking like host agencies have it as cake, I'm here to say that as an accidental host agency, it is absolutely so much more involved than what meets the eye. And I can say that I've had conversations with other individuals that have become hosts and they're like, whoa, holy cow, I did not realize how much went into, you know how they say business is like an iceberg and just, you see just like the tip, like, man, that iceberg is deep for hosts. So give credit where credit is due. Even if you don't necessarily see it all the time, I promise there's a lot going on underneath the service. And I feel like if advisors, so sorry to jump in, if advisors took a second to take a step back and look at the pricing it would cost to build their own brand, to make their own workflow in time and money, to create these contracts, they would see that like, yeah, you are probably paying a fee, but it's nominal in comparison to all that they have to give as well. It was a wide, a very eye-opening experience to see Jen transition. And again, I'm just an innocent bystander in the background. She could have said, we're diving off a cliff. And I would have been like, yeah, full speed ahead. But um, when she was like, we're going independent and we're (laughs) becoming huge, I was like, cool. But it was 
It, was a lot. it did require a lot of you too, because it was essentially, I was making the decision for you, which kind of luckily, like, I, I feel like I ran it by you, but that was a big leap to be like, okay, we're going independent. Oh, we're changing our true slash IATA number and we're changing CRMs and we're changing consortia all within a month. Yay, go. <laughs> we're building a new agent recruitment strategy and onboarding <laughs> model program. That's going to take my time and all of that. So it was, a, it was a lot. So it was a lot. Shout out to the host out there. Again, I just had no idea all that went into it. Yeah, that was, I'm having like PTSD thinking about it. But advisors, ultimately, they do have the say in the relationship. But if it's not mutually beneficial, you need to have the conversation and give the benefit of the doubt to the host and say, hey, I have a pivot in my business. Does this still work for you? Because I think we all owe it to hosts that we have a great relationship with to have those conversations, just as you would if you were working for a company in an employee role. Now, if the conversation isn't fruitful, nothing comes of it, then create a list of what you're looking for in a new host and search that out. But don't just jump, which is where I'm going to finally hand this off to Katie and ask you, like, what were you looking for as you made that transition and kind of how did that process look for you? So the first three hosts I was with, I wasn't looking for anything except for the ability to book travel. I didn't know I should be looking for anything. And I was kind of just told, start here. And then I met this other advisor and she was like, join us. And I was like, cool, sounds great. And I did no research at all. I got lucky in that the three hosts I started with, I ended up where I was supposed to end up. But when I decided to change hosts for the final time, I finally got serious about it. And I spent like six months interviewing different hosts with the same set of questions and then compared across all of their answers and everything. Some of the details or like questions that I asked were things like commission split levels and sales minimums attached to those. I asked about fees that they charged. And then I also asked about the policies on the fees that I charge because a big no-no for me was I was not giving up a penny of my fees. I think it's pretty rare that hosts ask for a chunk of your fees, but I have heard of some people that that is a thing. It is a thing, but it's also, there are limitations by state. Yeah, so that that's something like I know in Florida as a Florida business, I could not, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there, I'm sure there are workarounds like most anything. I think that Massachusetts is the same way. I can't speak to every state obviously, but yeah, that yeah. is, it is a rarity, but it, it does happen. Yeah. So that was a big thing for me. I didn't want to have to give up any of my fees because I did so much of my cash flow projection around what I was charging. Because in my business, not to get off track, but I pretended commission didn't exist. Like I focused more on my fees than my commissions. But I also wanted to know like if their policies would affect the way I ran my business. Because the biggest thing for me is I wanted to not to sound like a total introvert, but I wanted to be left alone as much as possible, but have, I wanted the team environment. I wanted a Facebook page where I could go and ask questions, but I didn't want someone constantly looking over my shoulder, what CRM I used or client onboarding process or anything like that. So that was important. I wanted to know what kind of trainings and support and resources they offered, especially if they were charging heftier fees, then it felt justified. And the host that I ended up choosing, they charge a hefty fee, but they provided a lot of resources, more than I could consume on any given day. So I also wanted to look at the size of the host agency and the number of advisors they hosted. The very first host agency I was with was enormous and I felt like just a number. So I ended up going with like a more moderate size. There's only like a few hundred. And so it felt more personable without, again, 
without them being hyper-focused on what I was doing all the time. I also wanted to know like what vendors or suppliers they had connections with and also what consortia they had a connection with because of the type of client I was booking. It was important for me to be with a consortia that would support that type of VIP client. And then their policies around like if I decided to grow, if I decided to add my own sub agents or hire a VA or something like that. A lot of the same things that Jen touched on, but the biggest thing I asked them about their like retention rates and how they supported their advisors through something like COVID because I did feel so, I don't want to say forgotten about because I think during COVID, we were all just trying to survive. Like we were all just trying to get by. But when I was with a host during COVID, the one that I switched from the second time around, I didn't have a lot of support because we were both just like trying to keep it going. Their overall advisor satisfaction and morale was a big deal to me. And then once I honed in on the host that I was pretty sure I was going to choose, I reached out to advisors who were hosted by that agency because I wanted to know like the good, bad, and the ugly. Like a host is never, I don't want to say never going to tell you about their shortcomings, but the advisors were more forthcoming about, here's the things I love, here are the things they could work on. So that helped clear up anything as well. So I did a lot of investigation before I chose my final host because again changing a host four times is not like a fun way to spend your time growing your team can feel daunting from creating an employee handbook to processing payroll there is so much to consider however gusto can simplify it all by acting as your in-house hr professional gusto offers various tiers of membership so that you can decide what level of support best fits your organization Our team trusts Gusto to handle state filings, manage taxes, create our employee handbook, track PTO, and so much more. If you're not an HR pro but need one on your team without the overhead, check out Gusto. Get $100 off when you enroll using our affiliate code found in the show notes. Also, it's important to remember that you might be under a host who's also booking travel. So not every host agency owner is just operating as a host. That's something that was important to me as the host to step back from booking because I felt it was my obligation at that time to create relationships and make sure that I was creating the resources that allowed everyone else to be successful because ultimately the more successful the advisors are under the host, the more successful the host is. I didn't want to be reliant on commissions anymore because To me, that felt like a competing mindset. It felt like I was never able to fully mentor if I was also trying to service sales. That's not good or bad. It's just something to consider when you are looking at a model is like, is my host booking travel? Do you personally perceive that as a competitor? Or do you, I love that. I I think they're in it and I want to learn from them and, and they're doing great things. There's There are two different perspectives that you can take for that, but I do think that it's important to mention because you just kind of brought that up and it reminded me about the various hosts and how they run their business. Yeah, that was important to me. I wanted to be with a host that had more, they had an office and and management and they had people who weren't booking travel. They were handling tech issues and they were handling commissions and all that stuff without worrying about their own set of clients. And that being said, now that I've been with four different hosts who were all incredibly different in their own right, none of them were good or bad. It was just 
at the time where I was at in my business too. So I think that's important to know. Like, I don't think any host sets out to be bad or, you know, whatever. I think it's just where you're at. And when they stopped meeting me where I was at, and it was no longer, like Jen said, mutually beneficial, that's when I would have to switch. So I used to be kind of embarrassed that I had four hosts in the span of time that I did. But then I realized it's because my business shifted so much in that five-year span. Well, it's kind of like evolve or die. That's like how business is. Your business is going to change. And when something fits, it fits. And when it stops fitting, it stops fitting. And you have to... I mean, the amount of times we've shifted teak has been its own thing. I will say as like an advisor underneath of a host, technically... Some things that I would say, you can't just rely on your host. Like I think sometimes advisors are like, well, my host isn't inviting me to 12 fams a a month and I don't have a world renowned client experience. And like, it's my host's fault, but also it's like, it does take ownership on the agent. It's your business. It's ultimately your success. So for things like fam trips or your overall client experience. Of course, some hosts require you to have a similar client experience, but that doesn't mean you can't tailor your client experience, how you handle your leads and like the people coming into your business and then supplier relationships. Like all of those things are still your responsibility as a successful advisor to get out there and do or manage and maintain because at the end of the day, like you can join probably the best host in the world. And that's not going to necessarily make you successful if you put it all on the host to make your business successful. So business is business. Like you got to get out there and get your hands dirty and experience things. And there was moments in time with our previous host agency before we went independent where we would go on fam trips, which were awesome. However, they didn't necessarily fit like what we were booking for our business. So that's when me and Jen were like, okay, like thankful for these resources, but we aren't booking just this. We're booking over here. So let's look at opportunities to kind of invest in our own business and take these fams and create these fams for ourselves. None of these are traditionally like the, the client experience piece, the leads, the the fams, the supply relationships. Like that's not necessarily provided by a host on a regular basis. Again, those are questions you ask when interviewing hosts, like Katie said, but an agent should also be seeking those resources out on their own and marketing themselves within the industry. I think it's so important to make a name with your own audience, like showing up on Instagram regularly, going to trade shows or asking to go to trade shows via your host, if that's something that they offer. But a host agency's brand can add credibility, but it's not going to retain clients. I always have to take it back because I'm like, does your average client know what a host is? Like, no, they have no no idea when they're submitting your client application. They're like, hmm, I wonder what host origins travel is. Nobody knows what that is. This is all internal mumbo jumbo, just like affiliations. Like, yes, does being a virtuoso agent mean you get additional perks? 100%. But like no average traveler knows what that even means. So I think that gets a little bit over... People are like, well, I'm a superior booking agent because I'm under so-and-so's host or I'm under so-and-so's consortia. Your traveler does not care unless it enhances their experience with a, a fabulous client experience. And you know, you are taking these fam trips to places that they're actually interested in booking. And you know, you are in touch with suppliers that can VIP your clients and create this incredible trip for them. At the end of the day, it's all about you building your business and making sure that whatever experience you're giving your clients is 100% worth your fees and your services and you're wowing them at every step of the process. But ultimately, it's not, it's not on a host to do that for you. So 
there's a two-way street. I think hosts need to be taking it seriously to be a host. Again, we stumbled into it, but Jen was an incredible host. She provided resources. So I think there's like some responsibility for host agents to provide the experience that your advisors require, but it's also on the agent side to not rely solely on them. Like go out and make a name for yourself, go out and market yourself, get those clients boots on the ground, provide those awesome client experiences. Cause then we're both happy, right? Then we have a host that's pouring into our agents and then our agents who are pouring into clients. And that's where you get this like mutually beneficial, beautiful ecosystem where like people are fueling one another and there's camaraderie, there's awesome company culture, Katie, you just shared what you were looking for within your host, but it's a big ask to say that your host should be providing everything, right? So that business, like you need a business that's successful. So there's so much to owning a business than just your IATA or your consortia. What resources have you sought out to round out your business outside of the host? A host can give you as many resources as they can, but it's up to you to like implement them and like actually tap into them. And ignore the ones that don't fit. Like just because a host throws a bunch of resources at you doesn't mean all of them are going to be worth your time. So I think being aware of that, but then looking outside of your hosting agency, mentorship was a big part of me building my business, starting with the travel advisor we used to plan our own trip, and then making connections throughout the multiple hosts that I had, meeting other advisors, talking through business ideas, things like that. Podcasts. I won't say I went super heavy on business entrepreneurship podcasts and books, but when I did find one that clicked with me, you know, I would make sure to try to absorb that because I don't have a business background and I think a lot of travel advisors don't. So I was trying to put myself through a four year quick expedited business degree and learning along the way. So trying to find knowledge wherever I could. And then community, when Niche was launched, that was a big deal for me because. I didn't love some of the advisor Facebook groups that I found myself in because it's just so broad and so vast. And sometimes there are thousands of people in there and sometimes your question doesn't get answered at all. And sometimes it doesn't get answered nicely. So having niche was a big deal for me. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Teak employee. I truly loved having like this small, like-minded community of professionals. So that was very much like key in developing relationships. And then lastly, FAMS. Across the four hosts I've been involved with, one or two of them would occasionally offer up FAM opportunities, but most of the time they did not align with what I was selling or wanted to sell. So I had to actively seek them out myself and apply. So I'd say that those were the the four big resources I prioritized outside of what was provided to me by a host agency. And if you want to know more about how to get considered for FAMS, we actually do have a podcast episode on that where we specifically talk about the things that you can do to get in front of suppliers. If you are wanting to know a little bit more about our specific perspective on how you can do that, please pop over to episode six and listen to how to get considered for FAM trips. At the end of the day, your host should be connecting you with people or resources that best support your unique book of business with a contract that mutually benefits both parties. However, it is not the responsibility of your host to create success within your business.
All business decisions are exactly that, decisions. We believe that there are trillions of ways to do business, and arming yourself with the knowledge of these multiple options is the best way to ensure that you are making the right decision for you and your business. So do your homework, ask around, interview various hosts, review those contracts, and talk to advisors within those hosts to learn more about their experience. Choosing a host is one of the most financially impactful decisions that you can make for your business. For more information on hosts and to review all of your options available to you, check out hostagencyreviews.com for resources and a list of well-known hosts. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.